This podcast explores explicit and adult-themed content. If discussions of sex or male bondage offend you, or if you are under the age of 18, you should not continue listening to this episode or future episodes of The Bondage Gaze. By continuing to listen, you acknowledge that you are at least 18 years old and aren't offended by discussions of male bondage, sex, pornography, or other kinds of content with sexual themes. Hey guys, welcome back to The Bondage Case. I'm Sammy. And I'm Nat. And we are back here with Joe. Hi everybody. How you going, Joe? Good, how's it going? Good, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys previously name it The Bondage Gaze, as in like G-A-Z-E, because it sounds like G-A-Y-S? Yeah. Yeah, Nat came up with that. My only contribution was he initially spelt it G-A-Y-S as a play on gaze, and I was like, no, it should be the other way around. Yeah, (laughs) brilliant. We both kind of threw out a few names, and we agreed that his that one was the best. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so aside from good anchor points, what qualifies as good bondage furniture? I think you need structure, so I wouldn't use anything from ikea you need to have something that a a body can be bounced on or like you know body weight has to be able to withhold the whatever you're going to be tied on or two it can't be just something that can easily break i love what you said about like not stuff from ikea because i'm pretty sure an airbnb i played at recently i'm pretty sure the furniture there was ikea furniture and the bed was just shit it didn't feel sturdy you know there weren't very good anchor points like it was bad like i felt like i could have like just easily broke the bed or something yeah it has to be weight bearing and motion bearing because the person is going to be tied to it is going to try and pull against it yeah this is awkward because the chair that i've been using in my last 50 videos or so is from ikea (laughs) well the metal ones if you get like the navy metal chairs like those are sturdy but things that you have to build if you have to bring it home and build it yourself and it's just a little rickety (laughs) just by the touch of the foot that's not something you should tie someone to yeah well i mean i'm only using in it really for videos i don't mind an occasional chair tie but i don't need an expensive chair because it's not something i'm going to be using very often uh-huh. the whole reason i bought chairs one because i didn't have a proper chair that i could use for bondage because none of them have really good anchor points or anything and two the bench that i use which is part of our dining room set i was tied up on that and it fucking broke uh, i think with the chair specifically you need like sturdy legs crossbars at the front and back are really ideal for helping doing ties I think. I think armrests are a benefit but not necessary because you can tie to the sides of the chair if it's like a strong back. Yeah. I don't think the height of the back matters as much unless you really want to get into head tying as well because you can always tie the head back or forward onto any of the loops of the chairs. I think a chair that has slots in the back to allow more points of tying a rope to is good and I think it needs a good seat that you feel Feel comfortable sitting in yeah if it's something that you're going to be like trying to move around in because you're just uncomfortable then i don't think that's a good chair yeah it's funny because for the airbnb we stayed at um for iml the chairs we mostly tied people to like it's funny because at first glance they just seemed like shit like because they're just like dumb like little metal like kitchen chairs but like we wound up using them because it's like they they seemed like the most practical and they were actually really good like because you know the backs weren't very high but they were you know they 
they were good, but and then they're also rounded, but then there's you know like little swirl kind of things like you know in the design for it. So like things that you could um, like feed rope through and stuff like that. And they're also pretty sturdy, and the seats were also pretty comfortable. I'm like they were sturdy because like one guy fucking hopped in the chair like kind of across the room in it, and yeah, like we were all fucking scared that like one of the legs was gonna snap or something, and it was fine. Give me anxiety just listening to that. <laughs> Hot, but anxiety inducing. <laughs> Yeah, like my um, my boyfriend and I are always kind of on the lookout for good bondage furniture. Like for chairs, it's like we either want something, if it doesn't have arms, something with like a good kind of thin and high back. So, you know, you could easily put the wrists behind it and with height of like something that you could restrain the head to. It's like either that or like something with like good arms. So, you know, obviously it's so the arms can be tied uh, to the arms of the chair. Arms are really nice also if you're trying to do like cross body work, like across the lap and you know more severe with the roping uh even like chains work really well with like the arms yeah a chair that we use a lot it's funny because it does not look kinky at all it just looks like a basic kind of you know lounging like you know wooden chair with like a leather seat and everything but yeah like it, it it's really sturdy it's really good just for restraint like there are like good comfortable arms on it it's just like perfect for like restraining your wrists like to the arms of it and the ankles to the feet of it and then yeah and then also like since my boyfriend likes um like a lot of head restraints and stuff he maneuvered a way of like he has like a, a head harness gag that like like he likes to attach a chain to and then just kind of you know just kind of feed it just through the back and then through like other things like that so it just keeps the head in place and in an earlier episode i brought up he gagged me with a sponge once and the problem with it was it started sliding to the back of my throat like because the position my head was in like with him kind of restraining my head back like that like it was just like sliding and it's like okay I don't want to be doing this the whole time I'm tied up Oof. yeah you say it didn't look like a good chair for bondage but you're only limited by your imagination I mean that's what we liked though like he didn't he doesn't want a chair that like when he has friends over that's gonna make them uncomfortable or something like it just looks like an innocuous chair like that's sort of like what I want to try and design and things like that where it's like it passes off as just regular furniture but it's perfectly made for tying someone to at the same time so you don't want chairs that have like built-in shackles now <laughs> no I want the hidden agenda <laughs> it's like that or like something that's like good for bondage but like doesn't fit in with the rest of his apartment and so it's like why the fuck do you have this chair here like yes it's like why is the fuck bench in the corner oh i remember i had a friend come over and i had these leg restraints and i fucking left them tied to the end of the bed she for some reason she went into our bedroom and she saw them like oh fuck that's awkward <laughs> oh that's funny though those are funny moments <laughs> yeah <laughs> those are the ones you don't talk about but there's the nod at thanksgiving yeah like my boyfriend sometimes like had like because he has chains under the bed and under the couch and like things like that and then sometimes he just forgets to kick them like all the way in where people can't see them and like his friends have been over a few times where he you know they were kind of sticking out a little but nobody said anything that's good friend i don't know i think sometimes it goes both ways it's like did you not see it or are you just uncomfortable so you haven't said anything i was showing my husband's stepfather something on the computer once or i was going looking for something on the computer and i opened a folder and there was like a tiny thumbnail it was me with tape over my mouth but like it was a self bondage one I'd tied like one hand and was taking a photo with the other I was there for a second but I noticed he was looking at the screen I'm like fuck did he see that and he didn't say anything so I'm like oh I don't know if he saw it or not <laughs> I mean this is going back on seven or eight years now same with the friend story it's a long time ago so who knows not unlike the story I shared with my brother-in-law a couple of weeks ago <laughs> I had folders open you would have seen in quick access it was like hog taped and something oh well 
If he saw it, he saw it. No big deal. No, not a biggie. So yeah, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but um, is there a difference between playrooms and dungeons? And if so, what are they? Yeah, I think that uh, playrooms and play spaces is a lot broader of a term that should be used in dungeons because I feel like dungeons is very specific and you sort of have this idea in your head of what they look like already. While a play space could be towards any kind of fetish and fantasy, it doesn't really need to uh, lend itself to the BDSM world. I was saying it before we started recording, but like a bathroom turned into a locker room scene is, you know, a really hot idea or, um, you know, ABDLs wanting like, you know, baby rooms made. You can have like uh, backyards made into football fields for people who like sports. I think creating sort of like an experiential moment in a space for a specific kind of fetish is a really cool avenue to take play spaces and playrooms that takes it away from just being the leather black dungeon with uh, metal and chains and uh, scariness almost that uh, stereotypically applies towards it. There's a time and place for it. I love dungeons, but like just, I think play space is a better term. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Play space, you definitely think of all these broad ideas, back to what I said before, limited by your imagination. But yeah, my mind too, when you say dungeon, would go to the black chains, bars, which is definitely hot. It's just, you don't want to be limited to that. Right, yeah. But like, I feel like play spaces can be almost uh, anonymous. You can sort of have them hidden throughout, you know, where you are. I rent apartments, so I don't really have space to do dungeon scenes and have like these different kind of rooms. But, you know, I have like small little additions that I I sort of add to a space that I can create better with. You know, it's easy to turn a bed into a a bondage bed. I've made mine on the platform and I've raised it. And then underneath, I've sort of put in all these eye bolts along the inside. So like it's incognito and out of the way. And it's sort of easy to still use if I wanted to. And then like in the space itself, I have pictures that you can turn them over and they have different pictures on the other side. So you can reset the mood of the space away from, you know, family photos to Tom Finland, you know, it's that. And it's like having the multicolored lights that you can sort of dim it to red or like bring out, you know, a cooler tone. I think you can do a lot of things in a small space like that and still create like a really cool dynamic play space. Yeah, it's like, it's funny with you. Okay, because well, number one, my boyfriend is very much into the lights and like setting like a lighting mood, like light does make a huge difference. But another thing, like getting back to the Airbnb that we played at during IML, I remember in one of the, I don't know, I guess it was sort of like a den type of thing, but it was all like on on the second floor of the house. Like we did a lot of the playing there for our first night and they had like a weird chandelier thing in there. And I mean, this even happened after I was tied up and blindfolded and everything. So I didn't see this until after the blindfold was taken off and everything. But like um, the guys there draped a bunch of like red bandanas like over the lights, like to kind of dim it and kind of make everything like just sort of red. And like, I just thought that, you know, that was kind of a cool touch. That's awesome. That sounds hot. If you have photos, you should share those. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought you were going to say they anchored someone from the chandelier for a minute. <laughs> That'd be even better. Just giving you more anxiety. Oh, yeah. My heart went into my fucking stomach, I think. <laughs> thinking about it it's like I don't know like I I would really love to be in the I don't know like number one to have my own apartment with like an extra room you know to think of like doing something like that of even just having like one thing I've talked about with my boyfriend is you know we need to like kind of look into things like backdrops or something like that like what like a lot of you know like YouTubers and shit do of you know things like that just to kind of cover up regular parts of the house or whatever that we don't really want to look at and you know like just kind of something like that just to sort of just 
just change that area because like I live with roommates he lives in a studio so it's like basically like he sees enough of his space just like that and to the point that it's hard for him to like completely get into a session and let go because he's just kind of burdened with like the laundry he has to do or you know his laptop where he still needs to finish some work and you know like just those kind of like annoying kind of daily regular things that you don't really want to think about when you're playing yeah a hundred percent i think there needs to be more out there that can help adapt the space so that you can spend less and get more in the kink world it'd be interesting if there was like structurally sound inflatable furniture that you could pull out and blow up and then put away yeah but yeah i think doing something with the draping is like that'd be something pretty cool yeah like what hospitals do like you know to separate different beds and stuff like that like kind of looking for something like that to just cover up a part of the wall or something and it it could look cool for pictures and stuff but then it also just something to make you just leave your current space like because as i was talking about this another thing i sort of thought of is like sort of like a bondage like um virtual reality of like you know if there's like something like that of like okay you're still in your apartment or whatever but like you're like escaping and in a completely different space and it's sort of like how they tell you you should have a separate station for work if you're working from home so that way when knockoff time comes you can sort of leave that area and that work's done you've left work whereas if you're doing it in your bed for example it kind of ruins your bed for you because you're associated with work i guess it's the same with bondage you want to leave reality behind and escape into the land of bondage yeah yeah i think it's easy for the sub to get away because you can blindfold them and they can fall into a subspace but i think that it's harder for a dom when they have to be in that space and they live in that space yeah so it'd be interesting to to sort of start developing products that would make the dom fall into a headspace as well that can remove him from his everyday world and put him into the the world he wants to have the fantasy in yeah i think a lot of the time people forget that the dom needs a bit of tlc as well and needs to be in the right mindset absolutely it's a 50 50 street the sub's the only one having fun and it's not it's not a great time yeah so would you like to elaborate a bit more on what makes a good dungeon or playroom or play space i think that it really is dependent on on the people and what they want in their space but i think a play space that fits the needs of those that want to enjoy it is important i don't think that there's a standard for a dungeon or play space i think if you're going to try and do like the stereotypical dungeon aspect then you want to be able to have multiple places to uh position store or uh use a submissive i think that a cage is usually a good starting point for a dungeon to have uh saint andrew's cross would be fun for a dungeon to have not necessary though i think you just need good anchor points at the end of the day if you can get ceiling and floor anchor points you're solid anywhere in the space yeah i can with rope and chains create the same effect as a saint andrew's cross you just don't have really the sport of the backing but anything that that you can do that with i think is a, is a good starting point but again i think it's, it really is dependent on what the person wants in their space well because yeah i mean once again it kind of gets into like the way you're defining like a playroom and stuff like that of it's very specific to you and the kinds of things that you want and then yeah and then i feel like on top of that it's like good quality things like furniture that's not going to fall apart on you or something and yeah you want you want things that are going to last i think that in a world of planned obsolescence you really need to find things that are hardy and long lasting and a lot of times that comes down to self-building because you know that you'll be able to get it to the strength and will if you want but it just becomes expensive at a certain point but i mean if, if it's something that you're really trying to get into i mean expense is something that you're going to allow to get the best dungeon quality you want right yeah it's like well and then even just like thinking about this of like i don't know like because it's like i have in my days like come across a few kinksters who e- either they've built some of their own 
stuff or they know people who you know have custom made things for them like um like a guy i hooked up with when i was still in college he built his own like bed frame to where it had anchor points and then it also had just like sliding doors on his headboard so he could keep all his gear and stuff in there but then just cover it up and it just looked like looks like a regular headboard so it doesn't freak anybody out i, I mean i remember just being like really fucking impressed by that and then also i mean because the other thing I, i've told this story in an episode before of like i just met him on scruff we didn't say anything about bondage this was just going to be a hookup for sex and then it just wound up being kinky like it's like it just kind of led that way because as we were making out in bed like i covered his mouth yeah like and then he basically asked like oh are you into bondage and then he showed me like all his stuff that's pretty fun <laughs> yeah that was an amazing story when i first heard it not that it's not still amazing yeah like i loved that he was like a handy guy that like makes stuff like that i keep joking with my boyfriend of like okay like maybe i should just look him up and see if he'll build us a bed or something yeah i mean that's sort of what i'm trying to get into is that kind of business of making fetish furniture like that i'd love to be technical like that good with my hands so i could put together anything i wanted even non-king i'm pretty useless with that stuff i could pick up a hammer and smack shit with it but that's about it (laughs) okay so another thing and so i mean and then this kind of happened both when i went to an actual dungeon like for a photo shoot and then with another guy i actually haven't played with him but like a guy that i've met once and then you know i just hung out at his apartment for a little bit and then we arranged to play and then that just hasn't happened for some reason um but like his roommate has basically like a custom made bed frame type of thing that it's you know floor to ceiling and there's a bed in it and you know there's anchor points all along the beams for it so you could tie someone to the bed but then the bed also folds up like against the wall and then so somebody could like stand and like be tied like that like with you know the beams still there in place and anytime I see stuff like that it's just like my mind just goes like wild because I'm just like okay there are so many anchor points like it'll be so fun to tie somebody up in here I agree I'm a maximalist I like uh, overdoing it I have this like fantasy bed I want to make where it's like a four poster but like short four poster doesn't go all the way up and that there's a bunch of like um, underneath the bed it's like a false bottom that holds all the storage for all the other pieces and you can slide in through the post to create different setups so you can like have like running along the the length of the bed have all the tie points go in and then the foot of the bed could be like uh, where the stock is you can easily flip one of those and like position it so that locks in place and you create like a different anchor point i think beds are such an open playground to uh explore with because there's so much you can do with it i like bed frames quite a bit when it comes to bondage furniture damn i love your creativity that (laughs) is an amazing idea yeah yeah i'm hoping to get into it my capstone project is going to be in fetish furniture i'm trying to uh spin that into an artist in residency somewhere thomas finland has an artist in residency i would love to really apply to if i fit that kind of what they're looking for i hope i do i'm trying to go like that kind of route i think it'd be really great to start a career like that yeah you've got great credentials too yeah yeah i think so definitely yeah it's like it's funny well because even another thing i mean kind of thinking of playrooms as well as kind of thinking of what you know something that you could possibly do even is you know kind of even just going sort of the medical kind of route of like using those kinds of like you know like medical beds and everything like that because those really lend themselves to restraining and as well as moving somebody around and stuff because they usually have wheels and stuff on them and I have this weird idea for a play space that's based off of like a conservatory with like plants and stuff but it's like a rubber medical scene at the same time so it's like take a rubber medical scene and put it in like a a greenhouse and so I want to make like the gurney and the medical beds with like the stirrups but like make it all out of wicker furniture (laughs) I think it would be a really really hot scene it's very weird I know but like I think it'd be interesting to see that 
happen. I don't think it's weird. I think it's unconventional. Yeah. But how many things we like are unconventional. Yeah. If you think of like the green Coke bottle glass sort of like windows and it frames into this beautiful like plants everywhere and then there's just a, a, a guy in like a rubber doctor's sort of surgical gear and then there's a dude in rubber just strapped to a, a wick of furniture but like in a way that's like precarious for medical needs. I think that'd be hot. Yeah. Okay, so also before we started recording I made like a, re- a reference to like a misery fantasy I have of like you know being isolated in a cabin and you know the middle of like snow and shit like that and having someone tied up in there and everything is I never finished it but I did start writing a story that was basically kind of an homage like to to misery and then yeah in that story like the dom in the story he's basically like like a nurse um so he has like a medical room you know with like that kind of stuff and it was just sort of something of the sub just kind of you know passes out or whatever like maybe he was drugged or something and then like wakes up like in a hospital bed but then it's still like in the house you know that this guy lives in in the middle of nowhere and yeah it's like you know completely restrained like that and everything and thinking about that of like just that scenario of like okay well this guy's a nurse so this room serves like a practical medical kind of function but then it's also kind of like a playroom and kind of like a dungeon because he's holding this person captive in there look i know you said this idea is sort of paying homage to misery yeah but that would be a quite good horror or thriller movie on its own oh yeah i mean you gotta think like um that goes on to like a kidnap victim kind of thing right where you're like the person thinks that they're in a fucking hospital the entire time and then they get up one night with their wheeled uh id bag and they just open the door and it's the hallway of a house that's definitely a thriller kind of thing oh yeah it's kind of similar to the apocalypse type movies where there's someone in a bunker with some guy they don't know usually it's a young woman with an older man and then they find out oh there's no apocalypse they've just been kidnapped uh, 10 chlorophyll lane oh my god it's not what that is i haven't seen that i've i know there was an episode of medium that covered a similar storyline <laughs> But it's also different enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, I mean, w- with that story, I mean, it was very tied to misery because it was something like the guy was, you know, the guy was some sort of writer and stuff like that. And the guy who captures him is like, is like a secretly a fan of his. And there was all that context and everything. And then I also kind of wanted the, the collab I did with Mike, where he was basically somebody that was tied up for like a live stream. And, um, and then people are just kind of watching and just like, you know, don't think that he's actually in any kind of peril or anything like that. I wanted to have a scenario kind of similar to that in it, like where um, the guy like kind of live streams that, you know, that character tied up and because the guy does like some kind of bondage content and everything. So his audience is watching what's happening without knowing that he's actually like captive. And I, ha- I had a lot of ideas for this. I just never finished. <laughs> Don't we all though? We all have some great ideas that we're like, we just never get around to doing because yeah. we just all are time poor. Yeah. My problem is with like long story because if it's a long story I feel like I need to kind of set up like a lot of things and then I get kind of bored with that so then once I kind of get through that I'm already just kind of exhausted and like kind of tired of this project and whatever just move on to something (laughs) else before I even get to the fun things but yeah too much of a plot it's supposed to be a porno hey as I've said I like watching videos with a plot I know it's such a cliche it's like at the end you're like but did the plumber ever fix the sink (laughs) 
and then for this story it's like there was just like a lot of things i wanted interwoven into it just between you know like the relationship between these two characters and everything to just kind of make what happens when he's captive have more of that kind of punch to it back to what you were saying about the different stories how many of them start and then just never get finished so many yeah and it is saved on my google doc somewhere so if i want to get back to it whenever i can so yeah it's like i mean maybe that could be one of the one of the projects i get into like this winter maybe yeah just tie yourself to a chair and don't get untied until you've done a couple chapters oh my god well okay it's so funny that you say that because that's basically kind of something i wanted in in this story because once again with the like you know in misery when she forces him to write and stuff of like i kind of wanted something kind of like that (laughs) and then it's so easy even with like a laptop like these days with internet because it's like give someone a a laptop with microsoft word but like no wi-fi or anything so he can't he can't like contact anybody or like have any reach like that but yeah it's like it's still within this century absolute bondage take notes (laughs) <laughs> you haven't posted any of that story at all, have you? It's just a draft on your computer? Uh, no, because I, I, for those stories, I don't post them until they're completely finished. And I, yeah, like I barely got anywhere with that. Yeah. I was more thinking of the stories where people post them in chapters and then, and look, they get busy. I appreciate them sharing what they've done so far. Yeah. But it is disappointing when you read a story and then it just never gets continued. Yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't want to post anything for this because, well, like where I stopped is basically where the good stuff starts happening and I just haven't gotten to the good stuff and so if I post this people are just gonna be like what, what the fuck is this <laughs> alright so um, so how do you think that normalizing playrooms and dungeons will make a cultural impact I think that it's important that we allow freedom of expression honestly I've been um, studying speculative design in school lately and I sort of feel like this sort of falls into that kind of category of like when we look to the future and we look to what we're creating and what's being out there like if we allow more freedom of expression when it comes to sex and sexuality would that just allow us to grow more (laughs) I just did a project where I sort of was saying like everything is a dildo and this is why this is important (laughs) and it was this this sort of like uh, analysis of like us as a culture ostracize people who are sexual and we are very prudish in our religious sort of society and by doing so what we've done is really push our subconscious into creating everything phallically the buildings uh, a school bus rocket ships everything is pretty phallic and if we allow our minds to be really open and like sort of been like all right if we have this freedom of expression with sex and sexuality are we going to start designing our world in a way that doesn't revolve around this phallic sort of shape that we've been designing with and i think that in a play space in a playroom in a dungeon on such a smaller scale you just get to have that ability to do that in a, a smaller atmosphere in a collective that you feel safe and comfortable having that discussion and openness with. Yeah, because it's like one thing I think of immediately is even just the idea of like self-help, you know, of like doing something for you, doing something for sex, for, you know, specifically that of like, I am designating this room for my sexual pleasure and fantasies and well-being and everything. Like it's fucked up that like that is such a foreign concept to like most people, I think, like especially because with a lot of adult lives it's like okay well you have kids and then your life is just your kids and then that's it like sex goes out the window like anything like that like you can't even fathom it Sex becomes this uh back room thing for yourself it's like oh i got my kids i can't that's not something i'm gonna just fucking have out but like in a queer culture where more people don't have children than do have 
children. I mean, I'm, I don't know statistics, but I, I feel like that's really the way. You do have that ability to have a healthy relationship with your sex life. And if that means having a, a play space for you to, to explore that in, I think is a healthy means. And I think we can destigmatize the idea that it's a, a weird thing to have a dungeon or it's a creepy thing to have a dungeon because I don't think it is creepy. I think it's a, a great exploration of your own psyche. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's only creepy if you make it creepy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's awkward until you say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. It's like, look, it's like what I think of with the, the building a playroom series on Netflix is like, I mean, once again, there were vanilla people on it of like, okay, this room, it's kind of more for sex than like anything else. There might be handcuffs and blindfolds and whatever here, but it's not, you know, fully oriented towards that because it's like, I think that's kind of another thing of, okay, for people who are satisfied with just sex, it would still help to have a separate room for that and not have to just designate that to the bed that you sleep in. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it was a very good thing to have that show air. I personally haven't seen it because I don't watch television, but (laughs) knowing that there's an impact that like when I've had discussions about what I want to do with my life, they bring that show up as like they have a reference for it. I think that's a really great step forward for them to put that kind of show on the air. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but any show that brings attention to it in a positive light is good, regardless of whether it's a little bit too vanilla for our taste. It's still normalizing it. Yeah, if it's, you know, sometimes it's a little cheesy at the same time you're like oh is this like you know so i mean i feel like we're kind of heading in that direction but like how do you think it can eliminate kink phobia i think if it's normalized if it's something that isn't seen on the outskirts of society and something that we can talk about in a more normalized way i think that that will in itself take away kink phobia it's the same thing as homophobia as long as we're present and you know out there and sort of being in the community face of communities and sort of being out there i think that that's the way forward yeah i love that you're connecting it to homophobia because it is you know because thinking with things like of like okay well why do we have gay pride and stuff like that like why aren't there similar kinds of celebrations things like that for like other you know kinds of communities and stuff and it's like well one of the things is is there's so much shame just wrapped around sex in general gay or straight you know and then it just becomes more of a thing with like being gay with being you know a man who's a bottom with being a man who's submissive with being a man who's feminine you know there's all these other just sorts of versions of shame that kind of come from all of those things and so something like pride kind of counteracts all of that by making it like okay it's popular it's normal like get over it get used to it like things kind of like that so yeah it's like so i feel like with kink things like that it's like we sort of need to do that maybe people will just become better people if these things are just more normalized and it's not sensationalized like shit like that yeah great point and i think that us having events like Folsom and iml and uh mir and all those I think those are really important to establish that, you know, they're not prides. We're not trying to display this out in public because it's still, you know, a prudish society where sex doesn't need to be exploited like that, but we're still present and we're still holding events like this where we're gathering in large groups to be seen. And I think in the last few years, it kind of has become, it's not normalized, but it's kind of taken the steps to become normalized. And look, I know it's very polarizing in the kid community, but I feel like things like Fifty Shades of Grey helped bring it to the surface. Yeah, I've never seen it and I've never read the books, but I've heard it's not done a great job of portraying it, but it did sort of bring it to people's minds and make them think, oh, hey, this is a thing that's consensual. No one's getting hurt beyond what they want. Yeah, it started the conversation. It's like, I think that's kind of how I'm seeing it. Like, it's not the be all and all at all, but it like started the conversation. It got regular vanilla straight people talking and thinking about it. You need to be able to enter the 
pop culture references. If you can manage to get into the pop culture, I feel like you're establishing yourself uh, better. I didn't see it, but then American Horror Story this year had like the NY scene. It was very SM focused. Yes, <laughs> very much. That in itself is very much like that's pop culture for kink. You know, like we're entering mainstream at these levels, the same way like drag did. You know, it took while to get dragged to that and kink sort of in that kind of same avenue. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's like, I mean, because it's like I liked, yeah, like the they bring up Tom of Finland and in American Horror Story. They talk about the hanky code and ex- and explain what the different handkerchiefs like mean and everything. Like, I mean, just those little tidbits of like knowing that like mainstream people, gay and straight, are seeing that and like kind of le- learning those little things. Yeah, like it's really good. Like I think it's it's just good for society. There's even a guy getting bullgagged in the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to check out the show. And I don't know if it's just the algorithm's really good, but I'm on TikTok. I don't know if you guys are. Yeah. There is a lot of kink talk on TikTok. Like people are very comfortable on that app and people are very open. Oh. I'm not on that side of TikTok, I guess. <laughs> I need to get on that side. I'm on the uh, art side of TikTok mostly. <laughs> okay. Well, if I see any kink cards, I'll be sure to send them your way. Please. <laughs> there's a lot of pup content. I feel like there's more pup than bondage, but there is a little bit of bondage. Oh, is it quiet? I might just reset the backup recording. Like I've said to you before, I've never had to rely on the backup recording, but you watch the one time Zoom fucks up will be the one time the backup recording didn't didn't work. Or like somebody, when it was converting the Zoom, they decided to step onto the tower and press the off button. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody cats. Yeah, that feels like just such like a bitchy cat thing to do of like, oh, I'm just gonna conveniently step on this. <laughs> so we did talk about this before, but one of our questions here is how would people benefit from having distinct spaces for kink and sex? Would you like to elaborate on that a bit more from your professional point of view? I think having designated spaces is important to uh, a healthy lifestyle. I think that sex is constantly put into, you know, the back burner. It's always in the back of the mind, not forward thinking about. And I think having like designated kink spaces is important for that, for just being content with who you are in life and being able to celebrate that. Yeah, well said. Yeah, it's like, I feel like things get shitty when people do just like put sex in a little box and stick it under the bed and just kind of leave it for that. I mean, once again, I feel like just your own well-being, your own mental health, your own kinds of things like that, like people just require, yeah, like that kind of, you know, that kind of stimulation, that kind of satisfaction, that kind of, you know, digging into your fantasies and things like that and just kind of sitting with them for a bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, whether somebody is kinky or not, I mean, that like very but yeah people should just be open about like sex and their own bodies and their own sexualities and uh, like on a side note of like I just remember the last time I was home for Christmas and my mom was complaining about like what a horny fucker like my grandpa is like I mean because apparently he messed <laughs> it up and he goes to like he doesn't live in an old age home but he basically goes and cruises old age homes to find you know old ladies to fuck like which is I, I don't know I just find that adorable and hilarious but like <laughs> <laughs> my mom is a, so disgusted by it just so like oh you you should be a grandfather and you know wanting to see your grandkids and everything like that and I'm, I'm just sitting there like I'm like fucking let him like he's he's a grown man he's fucking made it this far he's 90 years old like if he could still get him up get it up like let him use it. <laughs> yeah go for 
for it, Gramps. You're not hurting anybody. Like, well, your grandkids are so exciting. You're going to go see them as opposed to getting a root. Come on. Be real, mama. <laughs> okay, so have you noticed many cultural shifts that show more of an acceptance for dungeons and playrooms? Yeah, I think we touched on that, saying, like, the things that are in pop culture, like the show on Netflix and American Horror Story and those kind of uh, avenues bringing it to light to vanilla people, I think is the, the way to go and to continue doing it in a way that doesn't demonize it. Yeah, it's funny because I don't know. It's like, I feel like I get so into like my little mindset of like the specific kinky things that I like and like to do and everything like that, that like Dungeons and Playrooms, like for the longest time were something that I did not really consider or think about. And the thinking of how that seems to be kind of an avenue that people are taking to make this more mainstream and everything. It's like, okay, well, it makes perfect fucking sense. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I didn't necessarily think to go there, but yeah. Thinking of pop culture and Fifty Shades of Grey, I know I've mentioned this to you before, Dad. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast or it was just you one-on-one. Putting aside the controversy that the show ended in, Roseanne, the reboot, she makes a throwaway comment about her book not being a success because she killed off her husband in the book and but he's not really dead. And she's like, you know what should have would have made it more successful? More bondage and a wizard school. <laughs> Obviously, it's a reference to Fifty Shades and Harry Potter. But the thing that I love is that she says more bondage. She doesn't say bondage. She says more bondage. <laughs> and then uh, like that. And then just like his, just, just the image of like her and Dan doing something like, you know, they're, they're older. They're not, you know, conventionally attractive. So like kind of putting them in that context. Like I, I really like that. Yeah. And you just oh. know she'd be the femdom in the situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a really funny discussion in a sitcom wife and husbands who's the dom in the relationship oh like a king of queens you know the uh what's her name is the fucking Harry Leah Remini yeah Leah Remini uh, Remini is definitely the one that's like the dom in that relationship Kevin Smith is definitely on his knees every night for her okay like I love it was an old kind of throwaway thing from like an early family guy episode but like when Lois and Peter are talking about something but they're both kind of getting into gear and yes <laughs> And then, yeah, like, and then Peter puts on a hood. Safety word, banana. <laughs> I love you. And then it's not kink. It's not even sexual, but it comes across sexual. There's a fucking red carpet on the ground and Lois fucking, and Peter getting an <laughs> argument. She pushes him down to the ground. And then you just see it from outside the house from fucking okay, Quagmire's point. Yeah. <laughs> Say you like eating red carpet. I like eating red carpet. <laughs> Quagmire faints. Yeah, it's like, I, I love that. I love when Lois is a badass, like, and <laughs> yeah. Didn't someone recently on the show say John Goodman was their first crush or something? Oh, um, Freddie. Freddie, it was Freddie? Yeah. Okay, just a quick editor's note, guys. We decided we wanted the Dungeons, Playrooms, and Play Spaces episode as the lead-in to IML. So, accordingly, these episodes are being posted out of order, and we're referencing a conversation that you haven't heard yet, but there was no way we were cutting out the John Goodman love. Freddy's episode is next, so stay tuned. I have a friend who has the exact same thing. Oh, Dan Goodman was their first crush. Another thing I've never finished was, I remember writing, like, an analytical article just kind of 
talking about like bears and stuff like that and one of the things I sort of brought up was that like of in a lot of pop culture a lot of the bears we see are like fathers and like a sitcom and in that context they're never framed as like sexy or sexually appealing or anything like that they're just the dad but something with me it's like I've always found like most of those characters pretty hot I didn't have that fantasy I'd love to have a beer with John Goodman but I wouldn't <laughs> froth over him <laughs> maybe in his prime it's like he was also the captor in, in 10 Cloverfield Lane yeah exactly <laughs> so are there any other things you want to mention about your play spaces and playrooms I'm excited to get into exploring them I'm just going to promote myself here I'm trying to get into commissioned work for people and creating spaces like that not just in fetish furniture but in fetish spaces like play spaces creating an experiential experience is important and so I'm excited to delve into that kind of stuff I think it's really fun to explore and, and start to read and analyze about and I think that it's going to be something that it's going to start broadening and, and becoming more mainstream in the future so I'm excited to get into it yeah <laughs> it's like I don't know if it'll work out this way or if it'll look this way or anything like that but it's like I just picture consultations of like you meeting a client who wants like a full playroom and they want like a specific thing and then you kind of collaborate with them and all, as well as like kind of give them the logistics of like how it's going to work and everything like that it just sounds so fucking fun yeah I think that'd be fucking great like if I can get to that level where I'm doing things on that level I also think that something I really want to touch on is the bondage hotels like the ones in Germany do you know what I'm talking about no they have uh, hotels in Germany uh, ho- maybe it's just one hotel I can't remember at this point but there's a hotel in Germany where the rooms come with dungeons and you can I think there's specific gear that you can get for the rooms for you to be able to like rent them out as a hotel room for a night or you know a stay and I think that is really cool and I would love to design hotel spaces that were bonded rooms I would love to buy a rundown motel and turn it into just a bondage haven for people to come and have fun that would be awesome yeah like just imagine traveling somewhere and then it's like just like that like you're it's like okay you're just gonna have this like you know dungeon that you could just kind of visit yeah it's like you enter like it's like on route 66 you're like sort of in like the vacant area and there's this little paradise hotel with a pool and you go into the room it's a normal hotel room and then you flip the switch and the the bed spins and the wall turns around and turns into like that like very 60s kind of thing where it's like a dungeon space <laughs> in there all of a sudden for you yeah well and then i love the idea of them like being themed like just kind of thinking of like the different sort of settings and themes and stuff like that and yes yeah like and then also like the idea of like if people find a room that they really like of you know anytime they come back they'll go to that same room or something and yeah exactly i think it, that'd be really fun i want to really go to the one in germany badly it's a dream of mine to go to Folsom, and if i do i'm definitely going to try and wherever that hotel is in germany i'm going to end up going there as well and staying there yeah but yeah it'd be really fun to do rooms on that kind of level too where it's not just for your house but i'm doing it for like a more like of a public service <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of way where it's like a hotel like that that'd be cool as fuck <laughs> yeah that would be amazing i remember explaining why i don't charge for anything anything that i do as far as like stories or content or anything as i say what i do as a public service <laughs> <laughs> i think the hotel is called the berlin apartments i wonder if we can make something like this happen in australia too oh yeah that'd be fun i might hit up matt bluff and see what he thinks yeah because it's like there's one thing with like having kink events where people could get tied up or whatever but it's very public it's very you know it's not like a full session it's like stuff like that but then yeah like to have something like that but then you know scaled down and more like private for like yeah like just like a few people and it is like you know like an official session and even yeah like you know the idea of like if it's like a hotel room type of thing
thing. Like you could even sleep there like afterwards. And it's called smapartments.berlin. All right, guys. Well, if you're near Berlin, <laughs> check it out. Yeah. Tell them Joey saying, yeah, maybe if they get enough referrals, they'll ship him over. <laughs> yeah. Hire me. I would love to design more of your rooms for you, please. That'd be great. <laughs> please. I'd love to move to Germany too. Please. I will learn German. <laughs> like another thing that I'm even thinking of is like, you know, in addition to that, just like a full service of like something like where, you know, you're basically kidnapped from the airport and then like transported there and like everything just basically starts like once you land. The guys and I would do that. Really? Yeah. And guys, if you want to hit up Joey for a commission. Yeah, my Instagram is uh, gagged underscore W underscore tape. You can find me on Recon as well. As of right now, those are the only two spots I have. I'll have another Instagram coming up soon that's going to be like very concentrated towards the business of it. Oh. Awesome. Well, watch this space go. Well, watch Joey's space, guys. So there's just a few little questions to wrap up. Sure. This week's listener question comes from Bondage Guy Switch. How often do you gear up or play? Not often enough. <laughs> I think that's the common <laughs> answer, right? I Maybe once every two or three months, I'll probably have a play session. I have a, a couple more lined up for winter. It seems like winter, more people are interested in staying indoors and being tied up. So, but yeah, about once every like two or three months, I'll have like a play session. Okay. I mean, hopefully once it warms up and you get into the whole making your play spaces, it'll just naturally increase. Yeah, hopefully. I haven't really been a huge uh, vocal person in the community and I'm trying to get myself more involved, not just for my business, but because I really like the community and want to be involved in the community. So I, I definitely want to reach more people and become friends with a lot more people out there. So if anybody wants to reach out, please do. So Something I just thought of is it's like, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> That's a great slogan. I'm stealing that. <laughs> In my case, I film one video a week. Some weeks I'll film two and then I won't film the next week. Recreationally, it's twice a month, maybe. It varies greatly depending on how busy we are. Like right now, while I'm doing this, there really won't be any recreational play. Our Instagrams make it seem like we are constantly on the go, constantly having fun. And it can be a bit polarizing for some people because they see our lives and think, oh my God, you're always getting tied up. The reality is it's just not like that. (laughs) Like, okay, like my Instagram is all bondage like there might be a few things that aren't strictly bondage related or something like that so it's like of course that's what my life is going to look like to like to to people who know me this way like because i'm always thinking about it everything i post is usually from like a session like someone i've tied up or me tied up or something but i mean i feel like i'm very similar to you in that like i don't really play that much like and then it's weird because it's like you know i have a kinky boyfriend but you know it's something that like we're not going to do a whole session like every day or even every week. The most we might do is like, I don't know, something quick, like a sleep sack or something like that. Or even just like, I don't know, holding one of us holding the other down and covering his mouth and just kind of jacking him off, you know, just different small little things like that. So it's like, I don't really know where to classify those, you know, smaller in between things that don't really make it to Instagram, probably shouldn't be on Instagram, etc. Yeah, most of my Instagram is all bondage, but it definitely goes in waves <laughs> of collections because of how actually rare it ends up being <laughs> like it'll be like a good like six to nine photos spread out until my next session so that it flows better and it- like and then the thing is like a lot of my play I don't know especially recently because I haven't really had so with Luke we used to like meet and play like at least once a week like it was like that for like a while and then I don't know he got a different job and you know I got involved with other stuff and so we haven't really played that much because like a big time that I usually play is like with people who visit here because I 
I like that Chicago is a big city and it brings a lot of people because 90% of my place since I've been here has been with people who are visiting. And then that's great. But then relying on that, like that slows down because it's like there are certain seasons where people are comfortable with coming here. Like because Chicago winters are very well known and people fear them and don't want to come here during that time. And yeah, it's like so I mean, those are kinds of issues that I have. And I also just sort of need to get more acquainted with Chicago Kingsters so I can have more regular kinds of things like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of anxiety in trying to go to events like that. And not just from the anxiety of it being a public kink event that we've discussed, but like just the anxiety of being in public, you know? Yeah. I struggle with going out to bars just in general. And it's really hard uh, to like want to go to all these events. I mean, I don't know how the kink community is. In the American rugby community that I've been a part of, if you're not like part of the teams in the third half, you're really not really like a part of it at all. You're sort of left out of like the group. And I sort of feel like I have this anxiety that that's going to happen in all communities I go to, that if I'm not in it or trying to be involved, like they're just going to keep me on the outskirts of it. It's interesting because that is often how I feel in the King community. And it's not the case. We just tend to take things very personally. But I feel like a lot of times people don't consider me a friend. They just tolerate me. For me personally, things like that are are self-doubt that I have to try and get myself over because a lot of it isn't actually how I'm perceiving it. Exactly. A lot of intention isn't exactly how I'm saying that they're intending it to be. Those are definitely things that like you have to try and break through barriers to get into it. And usually when you do, like I joined rugby because it was so inviting. And then it was just something that I noticed at the third half was that when other people brought like spouses and things, they seemed left out because it was about the boys. So I feel like in the kink community, and I've never had anybody tell me to not be welcoming from the kink community. So I feel like if you are scared to go out in those kind of places like I am, I feel like I, you just need to sort of swallow a little bit and like fake your confidence and enter it. And it usually will work out well for you. You know, it's a lot of anxiety and self-doubt. Exactly. I 100% agree. That's pretty much where I was going with it, but you were just a lot more articulate about it. Even outside of kink, it's funny. We can post all this content, but that is like of going to a bar and trying to socialize with people we don't know. It's like, oh no, what if they ignore me? And then you got to take a step back and I'm guilty of not doing this. Who gives a fuck if they ignore you? Then cool, you move on to the next person. So do you prefer donuts or bagels? Uh, I'm from Long Island where we're known for our bagels. Bacon, egg and cheese with salt, pepper, ketchup on a bagel in the morning is one of the best fucking ways to get rid of a hangover. It's a Long Island classic. BC with SPK. Give it to me straight, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Pop the ketchup, but that sounds delicious. Yeah, ketchup isn't necessary. I like the ketchup. I'm also lactose intolerant, so I don't do the cheese anymore. But a lot of places, at least in Colorado, I don't know if they do this in New York, but a lot of places in Colorado, when you don't ask, when you say no cheese on a sandwich, they offer you avocado for free, which is really nice. Wow. But bagels. It's interesting because the first 10, 15 or so people we asked this question all said donuts. Mm -hmm. But there's been a very last minute influx of bagels. Do you ever get to Long Island? you need to get a bagel that's all i'm gonna say okay change your life do you have any questions for us no i really like that you guys do this i've been listening to the podcast uh more recently i would say it's really awesome that you guys are putting yourself out there and and creating this content for people to listen to i guess questions i have would be what are your favorite gags because you've probably said it before and i just haven't heard that episode but what are your favorite gags oh no question it's tape with stuffing for me okay well yeah then with me just definitely stuffing like stuffing and i don't really care what goes over like I mean I feel like my favorite is like stuffing with like a very light like you know thin string or even rope or something like that over just so you can mostly just kind of see the mouth like pried open from the stuffing uh-huh. also I want to uh, what's his name Grey Bandana on Twitter oh yeah those comically overstuffed gags where it's just layer on layer that 
that is a dream. I want to I want to meet him so bad. I want to have one of those gags so fucking bad. They're the, one of the hottest fantasies I've been having lately is that overstuffed gag. <laughs> it goes down so far that it's almost like a collar at the same. Like it's that fucking excruciatingly big. Like I love how once he described it as basically a baby's mattress strapped to your face. Yes. Yes. That's the kind of gag I fucking I need. It's, it's the more is more gag. Yeah. All right. Does anyone have any final words? No, just thank you guys. I really appreciate it. This is fun. Yeah, it was. It was really good. Thank you for coming on. All right. That was uh, the last of our conversation with Joe. So we would like to thank Joe for joining us. Thanks, Joe. Thank you guys. It's been great. So until next time, I'm Nat. And I'm Sammy. And just a heads up, guys, next week is the Chicago IML. So Nat and anyone else attending these events, I hope you have a great week. We will be taking next week off. But as we teased earlier, we will be back here June 1st with our temporarily ungagged hostage bear, Freddy. So we'll see you in two weeks, guys.